0: Meet and 3 is back. We're kicking off our fourth season and celebrating HRN's 10th anniversary with a very special episode about our home. Brooklyn.
1: Roberta's was such an interesting place with such a strong gravitational pull. It attracted all these different groups.
0: The neighborhood has changed a lot over the past decade
2: from its culinary renaissance to the complicated implications of gentrification. I would say the majority of the people who are members of our co-op definitely have a certain purchasing power, are mostly white, and we are Trying to change that. We're taking you on a journey that spans the birthplace of food
0: radio to buzzy neighborhood pollinators to the transformative health journey of our borough president.
3: That was my moment of, you know, wow, someone has thrown me a life raft and I'm going to take it.
0: Subscribe to Meetin' Three. That's M E A T plus sign T H R E E, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: One House is a
4: recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators throughout the country. Empowered hospitality provides human resources services to the restaurants and hotel sector, empowering operators with knowledge, guidance, and time. Together, we are recruit, retain, relax.
3: Recruit retain relax.
4: And here we are once again. Recruit, retain, relax. Mike Hewitt here from One House and Sarah Deal from Empowered Hospitality. And we're here to discuss the current staffing dilemma in the hospitality world. Uh, where is everybody, right? Where are all these employees that we're looking for? Uh, what's trending? How can operators react and adapt to survive? Our main focus is on recruitment and retention how to find them, how to keep them. Sarah and I operate national hospitality recruiting and HR consulting companies servicing all sectors from Michelin star to mom and pop startups, um, giving us a unique outlook and intel on this topic. And now let's welcome our guests today. Kristen Vincent, owner of Bowery Sweetheart Cell Rose and Home Sweet Home, among other sexy brands. And Hiro Nishida, president of Plano C America, operators of high-end concepts from New York to Bali, Hawaii, and of course, their hometown, Japan. We're going to start right off with the recruit section of the show. Um, And really just starting off, um, we can start off with Kristen. uh, Regarding openings, what sites have you found most effective in recruiting your opening team?
0: Um, Well, first of all, good morning, Mike and Sarah. Good morning. (laughs) Um, So this is actually my first time working with a recruiting firm with yours. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Pressure, pressure. Yeah, the pressure. Oh, God. Uh, no, uh, Doreen Winkler, my consulting um, sommelier, introduced us. And uh, obviously, you know, I took your, the first two people that you sent to me. So it was a pretty good experience.
4: Thank you. That is good. Wow. Two for two. Two for two. First two. And we have to thank Doreen, who's here with us as well, right? Sommelier extraordinaire for making that connection. So it's all about connecting the dots here today. Um, yeah, what
0: are you going to do now? I just I took your two best employees.
4: Right, now we got to find more. <laughs> That's, it goes back to the original thing. Yeah. Where do we find these people, yeah, right? Where do we? We have, we have a, a factory in the back. Um, so how many months pre-opening do you start hiring? What's kind of a, a nice safe spot for you in your operation?
0: I mean, I think we're, we're not a corporate um, mm-hmm. group, so it's sort of like who's coming to me and who mm-hmm. fits what we're looking for at the time. Um, I, this is our fourth restaurant that we're opening in Montauk. So, I already do have a team built and a sort of pyramid of how, uh, in a certain sense, a hospitality group where there are things, uh, you know, the top tier person running it. And then it goes down from there. So, when you were introducing me to someone, they could have fit in any of the four places.
4: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, sometimes we're, we're searching for someone that's very specific to a role. Other times, it's just someone that would fit your brand and your culture and then as an operator, you get to decide where the pieces of the puzzle go, so so that's good. Um, And there's obviously no right or wrong answers here. Some people scramble right before an opening and they're just like, I need everyone, we're opening in -hmm. in a month. Other people are really proactive and start three or four months ahead. and obviously, we're here to guide them with that, right? You don't want to start too soon, where people get demotivated, not doing much, right?
0: No, I have to say so, we we did start looking very mm-hmm. soon, but it wasn't until I honestly, till I met you and I came to your, to when Dorian told me about your firm that I, I, you have outstanding clients, really. Thank like you. I'm I'm surprised because I, I was very hesitant in coming to you. I was like, this is never gonna work. That you're gonna find me some good people. It's always so corporate, mm-hmm. but you, you're right on the money.
4: Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I, we appreciate that. And coincidentally enough, hero uh, next to me here was one of the founding clients of One House. So he was one of the really? first, the top three clients that we ever had. So a lot of our success goes back to our humble beginnings of just having just two or three clients and working our way up the industry. And Plan C was, you know, fantastic for yeah. us and continues to be.
0: You seem like tapped into what people are looking for right now.
3: Thank you. Mike, I'm curious Mm -hmm. just from your perspective when a client or a restaurant group is trying to find a recruiter to work with. Mm -hmm. I think that cultural match question is really important in terms of, you know, Kristen, you felt that vibe with One House. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah.
3: So, what are some pointers you have for restaurant owners who are looking to partner with a third party? How can they figure out? amongst all of the headhunters that Mm -hmm. are out there, like which firm matches their philosophy best.
4: Absolutely. It's just like what we do looking for the right match culturally. It it starts right from there, right? Client recruiter fit and a lot of uh, different variables. Some people are looking for more corporate buttoned up traditional type recruiters. Other people are looking for more hustlers on the street, knocking on every door recruiter. Uh, You might want a small boutique team that can really spend time with you and really understand your needs. And not be one of like three thousand, you know, wrecks that they have on their board. So it really depends on what they're looking for.
3: Yeah, I mean, one thing I would say is there are so many different firms that all have kind of different focuses and different Mm -hmm. specialties. And if you are an operator, that there are there is a firm that's going to be perfect for you. Like that boutique kind of um, like bespoke service that One House gives Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is a perfect fit for a company like yours, Kristen and I think that um, there are other firms out there that aren't as tailored in their approach. So it's, sure. I, I think it's just really understanding that.
4: Yeah, and they had, and those other firms probably have other competitive advantages that we may lack. So it's just, um, yeah, it's just finding the right fit and, and sometimes, knowing you
3: have options.
4: Yeah, and sometimes it is the right fit, and sometimes it isn't. And you know, we're also the first to raise our hand and say, "Whoops, you know, I, I think we're out of our comfort zone for this search." Let's say right. Um, so that's a benefit there. Um, as far as turnover, what do you think um, or what do you anticipate your turnover could be as, uh, as you're opening this space? I know that's like looking into the future, but mm-hmm. have you experienced that before? You open a place, you think, wow, this is a dream team, and then boom, you know, people start falling off. Not really. Good. <laughs> Good <laughs> we, answer. <laughs> we do sort of
0: have a dream team. Uh, most of my employees have been very loyal. I've had some of them for 13 years. Wow. Yeah, it's very rare that someone leaves, and then when they do, it's just sort of they out, they've they outgrown it. Sure. Um, and I guess
4: seasonality could play a role in it, considering maybe the Montauk bit it might be seasonal. As far as winter goes, that might be a different game. It you know. can
0: to a small point, but who knows? We might be there all year.
4: Okay.
0: What are some Hope. of the things that you think have kept people with you for so long? Uh, I think loyalty, um, we're from the top we're all passionate about what we're doing um passion before like even making money actually makes us money um so i think people like feel that and they like staying around for that sure that's awesome no, that makes that's sense. such a rare thing i think it is now yeah really
4: it is as far as third parties though right a lot of people want to internalize and have their own departments in-house that they can really nurture from day one, do you feel like um, you have or you'd like to lean on a third-party operator, someone that maybe can outsource your accounting or your PR I, or your HR, things like that?
0: Yeah, I do outsource uh, accounting uh, currently and bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, as we grow, yeah. we can always use HR.
4: Yes, you can. Yeah, and it's uh, sometimes it is about the size of the company and your purchasing power, if you can't mm-hmm. afford to hire someone internally for, you know, a serious salary that, w- that is going to just focus on your business or outsourcing someone that can spend X amount of hours doing your work, but you don't have them on your payroll and you're a little bit more nimble as a company as you're growing up.
3: Well, one of the things, too, talking about openings specifically today third parties have the ability to ramp up right away. And so part of what it mitigates is that last minute scramble Mm -hmm. of, oh, we need a bookkeeper. Well, you have one. You, You hired a firm who can do that. Right. And I think that's really brilliant. And that's part of the flexibility that third parties can offer. When we talk about recruitment, it's even thinking about how a third party could potentially supplement the team that you're trying to bring on for your opening. So I do think it... It enables creativity in terms of your opening staff and um, definitely that flexibility as you grow, too. Which No,
0: for sure. Someone um, like me who, you know, we're, we've always been, I've always been just doing this myself um, to meet you and then mm-hmm. now you, Sarah, and then learning about your HR that you, you know, I can outsource you to do that. It's like, uh, it's eye-opening for me to be like, oh, okay, I can do this better instead of having mm-hmm. to do it all myself or have a my GM work on that, but he needs to work on the opening at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes it's like too much for one person.
4: It does definitely speak of the times that we're dealing with right now, where everyone's trying to find a shortcut of how to how to survive, right? How mm-hmm. to stay in business, right? First rule of business: How do you stay in business when all these uh, wage increases and all these different variables are weighing down the P&L, where you're, you know, the bottom line. I mean, you're in single digits if you're making it. How can you cut the corners without the guest experience suffering? Sometimes it is about not having a heavy P labor cost weighing you down, and outsourcing certain things, but st- still keeping the guest experience, the people touching the tables, you know, where where they need to be, right? That's where the dollars are spent better. So something to think about in today's world. Are we going to talk about millennials today? We always somehow end we'll up talking sprinkle about, them in. I'm well, sure. Yeah.
3: They usually come up.
4: And then they usually leave. Just kidding. No, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk about them later. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's talk to Hero, mm. Hiro, uh, similar or same questions, really, about, about the openings. I mean, what have you found as far as sites or, or you know, other third-party help to, to staff your places? Because, again, and if you want to give an overview a little bit about Plan Do C, because it's
1: vast. I mean. So, we currently operate 20 restaurants in the seven different cities. Um, New York, uh, D.C., Chicago, Miami, uh, L.A., Hawaii, and San Francisco so each city city's a uh, different hiring strategies so um, we use a different internet um, internet um, uh, recruiting site which is indeed mm-hmm. and WorkPop and uh, craiglist and uh, this is a general um, strategy that first we work um, to uh, look for the talents in the market and then uh, Um, uh, just before two months or two and a half months before opening uh, we are looking out uh, um, how many people we have hired internally and how many uh, we have uh, been able to capture this uh, talent from internet and then uh, if we need another um, uh, qualified talent that we haven't hired then we work with one house or these uh, recruiting company to be able to make a strong team.
4: No, that makes a lot of sense, and it's a smart strategy, right? I have sometimes told clients to do that. Like, look, look on your on your own, right? Give it a go yourself. We totally respect and we empathize on what uh, recruiting dollars can do to a bottom line, right? So, by all means, usually our best clients are the ones that have tried on their own, haven't succeeded, and then have come back to us or to other recruiting firms, you know, to then supplement their search. Yeah. So that makes I, sense.
1: I think the Craigslist, you pay, what, $45 to yeah. um, put on, and... Uh, it's good in New York and Hawaii, uh, but doesn't work well in LA and in some other cities. And uh, WorkPop is uh, they hold a resume on the site, so uh, I think each website have a different strength. And yeah. so, you know, employers have to really look into what are the strengths of each company.
3: I'm curious what you found are some of the major differences by city as well, because I think the type of person you're hiring is very different from place to place sometimes.
1: Um, so uh, Miami is, uh, is very uh, Latin, relaxing, layback. Uh, <laughs> it's not easy to find. I mean, every city is a different challenge, but uh, uh, Miami is more seasonal. You know, so um, you have to work around how do you um, engage your employee through this seasonal um, um, mode of these employees. And uh, New York is uh, has changed because we have this the age group, the 35 higher, and the now millennium. Now we have the Generation Z. So we have three different generations that are working for our company. So um, each layer of people have a different interests, that um, work mode and also the income passions. So we have to design a way that makes sure the benefit and all the round of uh, um, support system that help these people to work longer and engage longer. And again, Hawaii is another very difficult, you know, it's the unemployment is uh, less than 3% so um and the 20 hours a minimum that uh over 20 hours you have to uh, provide a benefit in insurance so each city has very different even united states Mm -hmm. so we just have to work around you know uh, depends on each market yeah
3: yeah and one of the questions just really for both of you i think the number one complaint that i hear from operators is hiring back of house staff Mm -hmm. um, line cooks Mm -hmm. specifically so have you found any any tricks, anything we don't know about where to find great back-of-house staff?
1: So I um, I feel that uh, there's a, s- a few very important things that you have to have an uh, employee engage um, your employees, uh, which is one is a clear incentive program that um, um, that tied to accountability and deliverable. And uh, so our front-of-house uh, leadership, which is general manager, gets 30% of incentive. And also back of house leadership is also get thirty percent of incentive. So they have a clear guideline that if you hit those check mark you are able to even back of house you're able to get 30 percent of incentive. and the other one is uh, because we have 20 restaurants in the United States so on oh no, a young generation they will like to move around. so we always check with all these each employees that where their career path and what are their passions. So we want to make sure that we design uh, the career path that um, fit to each employees as much as we can. And the third one is uh, surprising. A lot of uh, restaurant managers, uh, they don't understand the the profit loss statement. So we always um, encourage and also we train the AGM to GM to open all the profit loss statement. So everybody understand every line from top line to bottom line. So hoping that in three years, um, if they want to open their own restaurants, they can do by themselves.
4: That makes a lot of sense. I want to touch on something you mentioned. And we've talked about this in different shows, right? What, um, what can you do as a company for the quality of life and, and to nurture your, uh, your staff? But without bending over backwards, it doesn't have to turn into like a Google office, right? Where Like a million perks and all sorts of things going on. But, you know, here we just touch on a couple, obviously an incentive, right? At the end of the day, some of them care about their bottom line, like their pocket. How can they have a little bit of that um, in their their power, Mm -hmm. right? If they do a good job, they have certain metrics that they hit, they can actually have a substantial, by the way, anyone listening, 30% potential um, is quite aggressive right so it's very uh, it's a great incentive if someone can hit it and if you're looking at 30 maybe you only hit 25 20 20 is still as market goes pretty nice so if someone can actually hit that 30 and you're also um, addressing maybe their nomadic tendencies right they can actually move to different locations within the same company understanding the brand and the ethos of Plan planned OC, that's another huge advantage right for some uh, people that might want to see different parts of the world so you're hitting two points there that uh, any company could really look into and, and implement into their own company to, uh, to address and to attract new talent. Mm-hmm.
3: I think it's important. So Yeah, one of the uh, questions I'm actually going to ask a bit later, but it's about retention, and I think it fits in mm-hmm. pretty perfectly now, is um, what do people uh, see as a big hit in terms of your compensation, your benefits, the jobs that you're offering? Are there things that... You see candidates come in and they are just thrilled that you offer X.
1: So, um, surprisingly, um, this the generations that we hire from 23 to 50, 60, um, benefit is very important. Uh, we find that the uh, medical insurance is very important. We find that the uh, visions and dentists and 401k or life insurance, all these... Uh, um, um, baseline of uh, uh, living healthy is, uh, is very important, rather than um, you, know, you make $150,000, $200,000 income. So we provide all of these uh, items um, in, in the United States, and those in, in Japan we actually provide any employee that work more than five years, we provide 100% free bracelet. So, because the smile is extremely important, and in our business, so how can we support and encourage all of employees to have a best smile? um, That's to our customers. Yeah, braces benefits. That is that is pioneering right there.
3: Well, I think a good point you brought up, Hiro, is that we forget sometimes that different age groups of our employees have different needs. And we think about benefits as one complete package that kind of fits everyone. So maybe thinking in terms of how can we tailor our benefits mm-hmm. to appeal to all the different groups of employees mm-hmm. generationally that we're hiring. Uh, I think it's it's really brilliant and it's something that we don't tend to see. Um, how about you, Kristen? What are some things you mentioned before, some of the traits that have really drawn people to you and have kept them working with you for a long time. So um, is there anything that stands out in terms of candidates being really excited about something that you're offering them?
0: Well, uh, we're still young and we have less than 70 employees, I think, between all four um, bars and restaurants. But uh, I think what we do, because we have such such a small amount of staff is that we can individually go to each person and find out what their needs are still so you know, we are t- taking care of people along the way for what they need like if they have a family and they can't work at nights we'll like work with them to f- figure out when what times is best for them and their family
4: that's great i mean that's personalized and, and some companies can be so micro when it comes to that right one person at a time mm-hmm. versus having like a you know a policy that affects everybody so it's, it's really good when you can actually dig deep and and do something that's personalized when it uh, yeah. benefits
1: <clears throat> so I want to add that that's very important because I remember that Jack Welch he said mm-hmm. when he was a CEO of uh, GE he knew the family structure of 700 employees so he's uh, very into the detailed conversation in, in general, mm-hmm. that talking with the family structures and hobbies and interests. So through this conversation, is, is, is you're more understanding how can we help and support employee to um, work happier and uh, work more exciting uh, situations.
0: Correct. Like the actors, models, musicians also on your team, they want their time off. You know, and that's part of the understanding that we have with them when they come in. Hey, my band's going on tour for a month. I'm like, okay.
4: Cover your shift. Go, (laughs) cover your shift. Cover your shift. Get it in writing. Um, But it is important to mention that this is a two-way street, right? We we spend a lot of time. We talk about, you know, what can we do for them? What can we do for them? The employees need to reciprocate. It's important that they need to put the hours, the commitment. Uh, the professionalism you know take the job seriously and Mm -hmm. and do a good job and and an example like that make sure that you're proactive you cover your shifts you don't come back to the manager with you know crying with issues things like that so um, it is uh, it is a two-way street it's important to, to know that right we can't just bash a generation or or constantly be looking at how can we coddle them and make sure that they're okay it it, it is really um, up to them as well to step up to the plate and and do a good job. Yeah,
3: Yeah, you know, and one of the things that has been kind of a running theme through our past couple of shows is that idea of purpose and really clearly articulating the purpose of your business Mm -hmm. so that your employees can decide if they align with that. Mm -hmm. And if they're passionate about that in the same way that you are, they'll naturally be excited about coming to work and doing a great job and to your point, Kristen, maybe their purpose is being a professional musician, and the job mm-hmm. complements that. Mm-hmm. And it so allows it,
4: them to follow that that dream. Yeah, right?
3: understanding sometimes someone's purpose is not work, it's
0: what happens outside of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes that even brings in more contacts to your own business, right? Uh, yeah. For example, um, one of our um, managers in Montauk is a model um, with John Varvatos, and we've been in talks with them about... Um, them providing the uniforms for us. Wow. Right? Nice. So just because of that contact, they're bringing in someone else. So
4: That makes sense. That's
0: fantastic. <laughs>
4: Rock and roll in Montauk.
0: Yep. Yeah.
4: Very cool. Mm. Um, as far as any uh, retention bits, anything else uh, you want to Yeah, wanna-
3: sure. Well, So one of the things, I did want to go back to the job sites question because we touched on it briefly and here you mentioned three sites you were using, Indeed, WorkPop, Craigslist. So we've done a couple projects recently where we've hired an entire opening staff for restaurants and we hired 50 line cooks in the months of December and January. And what we have found is there are a plethora of different sites, but there are definitely certain sites that work better for certain positions and in certain markets. So if we're looking for a line cook, we might start with culinary agents or, um, we might start with Craigslist, to be honest with you, whereas for front of house, we might try something different. There's Harry, there's job. I mean, these are all different options. Um, and something to think about is rather than trying to blanket six different platforms, knowing that most people who are looking for a job might post their resume on multiple platforms, mm. it's choosing one or two.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: and reposting regularly mm-hmm. to see what days are better, what times yeah. are better. So, you know, we'll post like Wednesday evening tends to be a good time, but we're not posting Fridays because everybody's at work.
1: Totally. So,
3: you know, that I would say rather than because it's expensive too for a small business to post on six different job sites, it's really tailoring it to one or two sites, experimenting holding on to those posts for 30 days or 45 days and then maybe switching to a different yeah. site it, um, yeah
0: I just it's more of a question for you guys actually um, do you remember around 2005 or six with Craigslist if you put an ad out you'd have a line like three blocks long yeah mm-hmm. what, what happened, happened? Yeah. what happened <laughs> where did everyone go
3: yeah I mean I think uh. I think that part of it is candidates migrating from um site to site mm-hmm. right so for example we just recently posted a job on Glassdoor mm-hmm. I had never posted a job on Glassdoor and we got just slammed slammed with fantastic uh-huh. candidates so it does evolve over time and I think it has something to do with how the platform's marketing itself mm-hmm. how they're you know reaching out to candidates how word travels Harry was the place to hire a couple years mm-hmm. ago and it's really not anymore oh, cool. Um, so I do I think that's really <laughs> part of it. Um, it's still great, but yes. you know I would say use it with another couple of yeah. sites to supplement that. And part of it is the job market. I mean, mm-hmm. when unemployment is this low, that means that people are taking their their jobs in industries other than hospitality. When unemployment is high, hospitality gets an influx of people looking Correct. for kind of a temporary um a fix whoa. they're looking for a yeah. band-aid
4: um uh, but to answer your question i mean again back in the day there weren't that many options right it was Craigslist or die i mean well it, yes <laughs> Craigslist
0: or die or now what i'm finding is that i'm actually getting interviewed and <laughs> not the, i'm not interviewing yeah, anymore they're fine. interviewing me to see if right. my times work for yeah. them mm-hmm. well that
4: is back to the two-way street thing and, and that's really important and that's a great point you made the, the tables have shifted a little bit, right? A lot. When back in the day, right, it was very much you were making, you know, the you boss. had all the questions, you <laughs> had all the things. They would just answer when spoken to, forget it. Now it's like they come with an agenda, with a schedule. Yeah. with a,
0: And late yeah. or not at all.
4: Yeah, well, unfortunately, that is another variable, right? The seriousness of, uh, mm-hmm. well, again, we're not going to label a generation, but for some reason uh, that has become a little lax. Mm-hmm. Add to that a little bit of a lower uh, entrance into culinary schools, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the schools are feeling a crunch of, as far as like low uh, student volume, which means that less are coming out of school. Some of them are coming out with certain expectations. They're getting crushed within six months, deciding maybe I'll just do like web development, forget hospitality, oh. right? Mm-hmm. right? Or you, and, <laughs>
0: you can uh, go on Instagram right now and call yourself a chef and mm-hmm. actually... Be like a popular chef and open your own restaurant, And right? then,
4: and then, why go to go school? out of business six months later because you have absolutely no <laughs> background in culinary?
3: It happens. But
4: uh, hey, you but it's follow been the dream.
3: Successful too. Yeah.
4: yeah. So it, that's the thing. So a lot of people, um, you know, maybe without the the years and years of of upbringing in a kitchen from dishwasher up to mm-hmm. chef de cuisine, you know, they're kind of taking that fast you know highway to get there. And some are winging it or faking it till they make it, and others are just are realizing that it's not that easy and then they're kind of backtracking and moving to another sector altogether. So we're losing that yeah. population from hospitality. So what, what happens then? Now you have a much less supply that everyone's fighting over, right? They're like mm-hmm. hungry piranhas trying to grab that, uh, that employee. Uh, now that shifts the, you know, the leverage. Now that employee has more power because they, he or she is being courted by many different options. Right. So now it puts more pressure on the, can, on the clients to give them as much as they can to attract that person, right?
0: It's like uh, finding a unicorn now, yeah. someone who's dedicated, mm-hmm. experienced, and hardworking.
4: Exactly. So then, yeah. so then we talk about this, right? You know, how do we find people, right? That's one element of what we talked about. Now that person's hired, they're under your domain, quote unquote, how do you keep them there, right? How, mm-hmm. Why would they not start looking two or three months later? Um, are you treating them well? Are you giving them that you know, career progression where they can move up to different roles? Are you providing continuing education or the Kaizen? You know, the Japanese philosophy we were talking about um, the other day, as far as making them better at what they're doing, right? A better person, a better, you know, citizen, a better hospitality employee. uh, All those things that make them want to stay with you and not start looking somewhere else. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, well, and one of the key things, too, Hiro was talking about is, it was interesting, Mike, I think you asked him about where he was finding talent and he he talked about retention he said mm-hmm. basically we're keeping the great people that we have and i think that the the burden now is on employers to keep great people mm-hmm. it's really changed where you can't just go out to the marketplace and find five employees immediately you really have to mm-hmm. you know keep them around yeah.
4: fireable offenses of like five to eight years ago are no longer apply right mm-hmm. i mean you got to do something pretty bad at this point <laughs> if you're a good employee but you have one little slip up right back in the day you know you get the you get the axe you're
3: not getting fired for coming in late anymore right you know? now no. it's like
4: you know unfortunately we don't want to lower standards but you know it's like i <laughs> can't yeah. lose this person well, right
0: yeah. so Hi- hero what's the funniest um, story you have with an employee that has that you've kept that has done something
4: that's a tough one it's a tough one one. that's a tough one and and maybe just to add on to that because you know plan is a very peculiar company i was blessed to be able to to travel with hero throughout japan and see their operations there and it was mind-blowing you know the way that they treat people and the, the warm hospitality that you feel but a lot of that how do you bring that to the states right So a different mentality and pretty much every restaurant in Plano C here in America has a little bit of that thread, that Japanese thread. There's at least a couple, right, sprinkled in there that are native Japanese coming into the country. Um, and sometimes, yeah, there are, there are expectations, there are levels of, you know, uh, their bar, I guess, is, is at a different level. And sometimes maybe the American employee doesn't reach there or doesn't understand why they're asked to do certain things. So maybe, yeah, maybe uh, maybe like a native or American employee has done something that just didn't fit in with the Japanese Omotenashi.
1: Um, <laughs> That's, That's another a, difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not answering. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know you're thinking of something
1: right now. <laughs> That's a difficult question, yeah.
3: Well, you know, one of the things I can say, because we are obviously dealing with a lot of employee relations at Empowered Hospitality um, on behalf of our clients, we often encounter employees who let life interfere with work. And I think one of the biggest areas I've seen increased flexibility is understanding that life happens sometimes and offering at least one chance or a couple chances if life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Things like somebody no call, no show because, you know, they had a family member emergency or they couldn't get child care or, that's you know, life. I, I find that, yeah. you know, it makes sense to be a little more forgiving now because if that employee is generally pretty committed, who knows what you're going to find if you fire them and have to go look for a replacement. So I, I think that's, uh, maybe a little more PC example, but um, but that's one area I see a big difference. So turning to the retention side just really briefly, um, we've actually already talked about quite a bit, but I was curious um, if there's anything that either of you do in the first 30 days or so of operation once you've opened to really reinforce the people who are part of the team. So you you've gone through, you know, usually pre-opening, it's very warm and fuzzy mm-hmm. it's all about culture it's exciting and then you get into the it honeymoon
4: phase and the
3: honeymoon <laughs> phase is over so what do you do anything at that point to help kind of cement the people who you really want to stay with you
1: <clears throat> <laughs> so one thing again um you know robust training is very important and uh, after this robust training um it's everyday small effort count. So um, we believe in the uh, pre-shift meeting is uh, uh, something that you do every day. And uh, through this pre-shift meeting, acknowledging every employees and, uh, and do small uh, trainings that, uh, um, you know, keep energy high. And uh, these are very important, you know, uh, it's, there's no magical strategies is every day you look in everybody's eyes and make sure their employees are happy. And uh, what are the takeaway that um, any challenge that from previous day that you had, you share that, you you know, we, we share that, you know, the, the challenge together. And again, these are small uh, a layer of uh, efforts, accounts, you mm-hmm. know.
3: Can you talk a little bit about the philosophy of Kaizen and how that applies to the business?
1: So Kaizen is basically um, um, uh, ability to edit the current service. So how uh, can we do a little bit better than yesterday? How can we do better service than the, the yesterday? So it's the skill of edit is basically the Kaizen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the philosophy of uh, the Kaizen, yeah.
3: And my understanding is there's some welcome dialogue with the employees as part of that. right? Yes.
1: So we encourage, of course, the employees to um, come up uh, an idea. I always say uh, uh, our hero is uh, someone who brings idea, you know, um, bring to the tables, not just uh, um, complaining or uh, uh, turn down somebody's ideas, but um, bring, always bring ideas. The suggestion is uh, extremely important.
3: Yeah. Kristen, do you see that as well? Just welcoming feedback from employees, just having those face-to-face conversations? Oh, my gosh. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the worst feeling to have someone come
0: to you and tell you what's wrong with everything. That's my biggest pet peeve. I'm, come on. You're going to, I already know, trust me, I already know what's wrong. Okay. <laughs> it's out. like, mm-hmm. tell me how to fix it. How are you going to fix it? So, yeah, that's... That's my number one, like, don't come to me with
3: that. Mm-hmm. They know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things we talk about in a more formal way is what we call stay interviews. It's really just sitting down and having coffee with mm-hmm. the people on your team. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, was, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, yeah.
0: at, at, at least, you know, to a certain level, I can still go to, yeah you're calling it coffee drinks or dinner or something with a group of the management or just something that keeps it on a, a slightly more personal level and you get to talk with them and then from there um from there they take that down to a different level of employees and they take them out or they go get drinks together mm-hmm. just it trickles keeping, down from there yeah just keeping some family like I, I would definitely say that pretty much everyone that works for us thinks of it as a family
3: Yeah. And and when we talk about purpose to just allowing them to feel like they're part of shaping the company. Yeah. I think that is, you know, that's, that's Kaizen. That's part of that Spirit of welcoming mm-hmm. conversation. It's a little
4: bit of ownership and accountability, right? They're, they're coming up with certain ideas, maybe with some solutions, yes. right? So then it depends on whether they're successful or, or there's a failure there. At least, you know, okay, we all came up with, you know, anyone have a great idea? Raise your hand, right? right. And, and,
0: it's usually a great idea. And then you
4: decide what the best course of action, but at least you go, you either go down in flames or you succeed as a team, as yeah. opposed to a dictator saying, you're doing this, you're doing that. So that's why
1: I think it's important that the GM, uh, you know, GM understand uh, your financial um, situations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like uh, if you go to doctors and you have a blood test, and if the, you know, doctor says, uh, "How am I doing?" And the doctor say, "Doing great." You know, tell me a little bit more. You know, um, mm-hmm. same thing. If you understand the financial from from top line to covers to cost of goods to payrolls, all the expenses and the bottom line, then you know how are you. How do you need to communicate with your staff, mm-hmm. you know? So we um, uh, show every number that ev- you know, every employee wants to know, it's open. So um, it's, it's it's very open book. So uh, GM to AGM, everybody understands your situations. There's a what common is your goal. Strength? Right? Yeah, there's-, there's accountability, deliverable execution and accountable, this, this cycle is very important. Uh, so that the, the staff effort is uh, is rewarded in, in, in uh, every month
3: That's absolutely right and uh, I feel like we're just getting into this amazing conversation. We're gonna take a quick break though mm-hmm. and when we do come back we can have another word and we're gonna do a quick
4: a little quick fire little
3: quick fire ah. challenge so we'll <laughs> be right ready. back <laughs>
2: Table begins long before the glassware is polished, before the china is set spotless on the table. Setting the table begins with selecting the right people for your team. Everything flows from the expertise, innate hospitality, and critical thinking of the people who act as ambassadors to your guests every day. With One House, a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators, finding the right people is a simple recipe. One House identifies, contacts, and interviews prospective talent, and conducts pre-hire reference checks. One House also assists in curating chef-tasting menus and liaises between candidate and operator throughout the interview process. Empowered Hospitality delivers human resources solutions to growing hospitality companies, presenting solutions that empower owners and operators with the knowledge, guidance, and time to better grow their businesses. Empowered hospitality solutions include a fully outsourced HR department, a la carte recruitment, compliance, and HR hotline services, training and education, and strategic advisement.
3: So we're back, and uh, after marinating a little bit, I think we're ready for a quick fire. So don't get nervous. Mike and I are going to ask you a couple questions, meant to be pretty fun and relaxed, but we want to learn a little bit about you. This
4: is the final R, right? We have recruit, retain, and now more relax.
0: This doesn't sound relaxing. So oh, yeah.
3: I'm, I'm going to start with Kristen. Uh, meal ordering, are you going family style or to each his own? Um.
0: <laughs> Got <Gotcha> you there. Um. <laughs> Are we supposed to answer these fast? Both,
3: <laughs> both. Um, we have a lot of small plates. Small plate. That wasn't even an option. So. Yeah, I think that's a. That's
4: a family that's style. That's family
3: style. Uh, Hero, how about I would go you? Go
4: family style too
3: okay right so you're Mike? not
4: hoarding i don't know i'm kind of a hoarder i mean i don't eat meat so a lot of if i leave it to everyone else next thing you know it's like a barbecue going on and then i, got, I can't eat anything so i have to always kind of keep in the back of my mind i gotta protect my little zone you know my, so i little, need a selfish, salad i need selfish a, diner pretty much yeah don't touch my freaking plate
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right next question uh favorite after dinner drink kristen
4: <laughs> Doreen's whispering in her ear. If it's not wine, you're Doreen in trouble. Doreen
3: has a suggestion orange for you. Orange
0: wine. <laughs> but it's like it's confusing because that's pre dinner, yeah. during dinner, after dinner. Pretty much. I mean, it,
3: it services all of those needs. Yes, you can have it at all those. Things.
4: Orange wine is having a moment.
3: Orange wine has, is having a moment. It's
4: a very 2019, maybe even 2020. It might be ahead
3: of its time. We'll yeah. see.
0: There's gonna be so much orange wine in, in Montauk. There.
3: Mm-hmm. Hero, how about, you? are you also a fan of orange wine?
1: Um, I like orange wine too, but maybe, um, strong espresso? Ah. ah.
3: Interesting. Ah. <laughs> All about business. He has to get back to I work. I Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mike?
4: Uh, I'm a Sambuca guy. A nice, really chilled Sambuca. Yeah. I'm European. I can't yeah. help it. I have <laughs> to say,
3: I'm, I'm a bit of a whiskey lover, so. Ooh, wow. Be a nice, uh, nice bourbon. Oh, mm-hmm. very nice. Yep.
4: What else? How about um, how about this one? Culinary R and D slash inspiration, solo or group effort? How do you like to get inspired, hero?
1: Um, R and D is uh, of course group uh, yeah. effort, yeah, because um, it's one of the key is. Um, uh, passion to the concept of the food that you're eating and uh, I've been going to thousands of restaurants myself around the world and I try to take photos and videos and show it to the chef hey this is a great you should you should uh, uh, try you know uh, try it on our menus but um, if the person is not experiencing then then Hero is talking another other dishes from out you know different countries mm-hmm. so it's important that um, I stop doing that I always tell employees to Go to these five restaurants and these are five dishes I want you to try and see what you think.
3: Is there anything new that you've discovered in your recent travels?
1: I think uh, it's just uh, in America-wise, we've been uh, experienced high demand of uh, uh, Italian and also Mediterranean uh, concept. I think they're a little bit shifting to Asians. I've seen it a little bit more um, Chinese- and the Vietnamese, and the Koreans, and uh, these uh, um, uh, Asian uh, exotic dishes are, I think it's getting very popular.
4: No, that's a good point. I think uh, to some degree, I wouldn't say playing it safe, but, but having a cuisine like the Italian or Mediterranean that is very, it's non-polarizing, right? It pretty much everyone likes it pretty much, um, has been the trend for many years now. And I think moving to something a little bit more intricate right Mm -hmm. and some flavors that people aren't used to day to day i think it's a it's a good trend coming up
0: Mm. yeah um, i tend to go out there uh, to look for inspiration but it's not just the food it's the entire experience Mm
4: -hmm, the vibe it's Mm
0: -hmm. the vibe it's um the the wine list the cocktail list the uh, decor um and and the food so it has to kind of all hit those all those things to really inspire me to be a favorite restaurant Right now, for me, Frenchette is like a favorite. Really? Oh, I love it. Oh my, the I duck frites?
4: I can't stop eating the duck frites at, at Frenchette. I, I think
0: it's, it's so cute how they have the oysters with the little yeah. sausages with it. It's so a great idea. Like, you know, you always want something extra with your mm-hmm. oysters. Great place. Right? A great design, great team
4: cocktail list fantastic
0: mm-hmm. well and Kristen, you have something special coming up soon too right i do um we're opening another cell rose in montauk on uh, june 15th nice. so, so exciting yeah we'll be there all season congrats so thank you we're really looking forward to it
4: it's going to be a great addition to montauk i think it's uh it's needed mm. can't wait to visit rivers of orange wine among other things <laughs> <laughs> very nice and Hiro, I don't know if uh, you had um, anything you want to share as far as any projects in the pipeline or anything that people can get excited about if you want to share.
1: Yeah. Um, we're always busy running 20 restaurants, but uh, um, we see that um, uh, the food hall uh, is, uh, is, uh, is one of the very important experience uh, Food and beverage outlet. And uh, we've seen a lot in New York, but uh, if you look at a national, I think there's still this almost Netflix of food hall. Mm-hmm. You know, food hall is essentially, you have a 15, 17 different variety of contents that uh, expressing their food. And uh, this business model is continued to grow in next uh, three to five years. So we're also working on few projects that uh, the different theme, you saw the one in uh, uh, Hudson Yard, the, the Spanish theme. I think the Asian theme is coming and uh, there's a variety of uh, uh, themed uh, food hall uh, will be popping up in the next few years, and uh, we'll working on uh, one of those projects. You
4: know? Yeah, a lot of people were coining that as like a 2018 phenomenon, and it was going to be over. I really looked at it as something that's going to stick around. It's definitely, it makes a lot of sense, right? From a, from a cost perspective, from an option perspective, where people can go and have different things um, mm-hmm. in that price point. Makes sense. Yeah. Very cool.
3: Thank you both yeah. so much for being here with us tonight. It was fantastic to hear your impressions, to learn a little more about your businesses. So
4: we look forward to thank you for sharing. Yeah, spending time in Montauk and and obviously uh, you know continuing to visit Plandosi's um, concepts throughout the, the country world. and around the world. <laughs> I want to go to Bali. I want to go everywhere. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you can catch this interview, past and future ones, at Heritage Radio Network. Uh, iTunes and Spotify. And until next time, remember, love your staff and they will love you back.
0: Mm -hmm. True. (laughs) Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you.
3: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events,
2: subscribe to our newsletter.